Perfect. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, my name is Dr. Adam Martin with The Fit Pharmacist. I am joined by my colleague, friend, and co-host, Dr. Kevin Brunacini. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Adam. Feed me. Let's go. I'm ready. Yes. So we are talking <laughs> about alcohol today, and we're going to start with the cheers to Kevin because yesterday was actually his birthday. Um, we had planned this yesterday, um, with technical difficulties and such. We are here today. We figured we'd give Kevin the day off for his birthday. I mean, he had to go celebrate, right? Um, what we've been doing, guys, is each month we've been focusing on a health topic to take the science, the evidence-based medicine that's out there in research, simplify those concepts and deliver them to you so you can take real information and apply that to your life in pursuit of your health quest. This month is April, and April is Alcohol Awareness Month. So today we're going to be talking about alcohol, the effects it has on your body, your nutrition, and everything in between. So Alcohol Awareness Month was introduced, actually the year I was born, 1987, um, by the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, with the purpose being that it was designed to decrease stigma associated with alcoholism. Excessive drinking um, is associated, as we know, with significant increases in short-term risks in health and safety. That's just short-term, like if you were to do like a Friday or Saturday. Now, there are many people, especially college students, that continue to do that on a consistent basis. And that can really lead to some health complications that we're going to briefly touch on, um, just so that we're all aware. Over time, excessive drinking can lead to hypertension, heart disease, stroke, liver disease, digestive problems, and then cancers of the breast, mouth, throat, esophagus, liver, colon. In addition, it can affect learning and memory problems, including dementia and poor school performance, mental health problems, including depression and anxiety, social problems, including decreased productivity, family issues, and unemployment, and then ultimately alcohol dependence and alcoholism. So how do we avoid these, just cut alcohol out altogether? Well, that's one option, but that's an extreme. Uh, as we know, red wine and also white wine, it's been shown, do have uh, really good health benefits. But the key with that and other alcohol beverages is moderation. That's what we're all about is having that balance. So we want to talk quickly about what moderation is. And what we just went over is the health problems that can be affected by heavy drinking or binge drinking, like we said, uh, acutely in a, a one or two instance issue. So what does that mean, you might ask? Like, well, how many drinks is that? Like, I have two, is that bad? So real quickly, I want to define what those are. So it, it depends if you're a man or a woman. So looking at binge drinking, so a one or two time occurrence infrequently, binge drinking is defined as men having five or more drinks in a single session, women having four or more drinks in a single session. That's binge drinking. Now, heavy drinking is looked at over a longer-term basis. Here, we're looking at it in a week's worth. So heavy drinking for a man is having 15 or more drinks in a week, and heavy drinking for a woman is having eight or more drinks a week. So that's the definitions of binge drinking and heavy drinking. You might even step back and say, well, what's a drink? I mean, have you ever been to Granny's house? There's like eight different sizes of wine glasses. So if you have like, if you fill up like a goblet, is that like one drink versus a shot glass, is that one drink? So 
we're going to real quickly define what a drink is just so that you have context for when you're at a friend's house, hosting a party, or out to drink. So looking at what a drink is, one single drink, it depends on the type of alcohol you're drinking. So if you're looking at wine, one drink is five ounces of wine. If you're looking at beer, it's 12 ounces of beer. A malt liquor, that's eight ounces of malt liquor. Or if you're looking at like a shot, uh, that would be 1.5 ounces of an 80 proof spirit or liquor. Those are the designated definitions of one drink, just so you have context to get that into perspective. So we talked about moderation and we looked at binge drinking and heavy drinking. So what's moderate drinking? What does that look like? Moderation is defined as having up to two drinks a day for men or one drink a day for women. Again, keeping that just very moderate, not saying you have to cut out alcohol because there are benefits to it and it's a very social activity, but keeping that in moderation and just keeping those things in mind for long-term health. Um, that's what we just want to drive is we're not trying to say don't drink alcohol, but be responsible um, under no circumstances, drive or operate any machinery after drinking, even if it is one drink or just a sip, but just being aware of those things. Um, so we touched on, uh, I listed out what can happen to the body if you excessively drink on an ongoing basis. Um, looking at it uh, as a pharmacist, there are several medications that are actually affected by alcohol. Um, reason being that alcohol, when ingested, actually competes with drugs being broken down in the body because disposing of the ethanol um, of the alcohol is prioritized over drugs. So if you take a drug, normally your body breaks it down. There's byproducts which can cause side effects and so forth. If, however, you have taken that drug and then you take alcohol, the body stops working on the drug, focuses on the alcohol. So what happens? Levels of that drug or levels of the byproduct, depending where in the process it's being broken down in the body, can build up, leading to toxicity levels, um, extra side effects, and things of that nature. Um, also, it can increase certain side effects. So if you have uh, no or been on any tranquilizers, so like benzodiazepines, that's a class of drugs like Xanax or Alprazolam, um, Ativan or Lorazepam, some of those side effects can be dizziness, drowsiness. If you have alcohol with that, that can intensify those effects. Um, the classic textbook example, it's known as a disulfiram reaction, um, would be with a common antibiotic uh, name brand Flagyl, generic metronidazole, because um, alcohol breaks, that pathway of the drug breakdown is blocked, um, and levels of those side effects can build up, causing extreme nausea and vomiting, pretty much a guarantee. Um, so as a pharmacist, that's something I always counsel with that. So that's kind of the technical side and implications of what can be done with that. Um, there were a couple other effects. Uh, Kevin, if you wanted to touch on them um, that are just general with, with drinking, that the incidence of goes up with how much you drink, but in general can be affected. Um, and those two being uh, dehydration and then malnutrition. Um, because as we are the diet doc, we want to tie alcohol into our nutritional intake. Um, so hoping you could just touch on that briefly with those two implications. Absolutely. Um, starting with dehydration, uh, and this is going to be more of an acute uh, effect from intake of alcohol. Um, I'll say the dose makes the poison. So, um, you know, we're all very different uh, with 
different tolerances. Um, so, you know, this, it can therefore uh, implicit different effects based on different amounts. But nevertheless, dehydration is a rather common one because of the, because there's some hormone uh, suppression, um, what's particularly antidiuretic hormone, which therefore is going to uh, um, allow you to, there's going to be less of it, which is going to allow more water to be lost as a result. And therefore, you know, you're, if you're diuresing, then you're going to lose more water. Therefore, you're going to be dehydrated. And this is what is likely the culprit behind hangovers in terms of that, that pleasant effect that um, people, we, many of us may know. Um, and that's the uh, best thing to avoid that as much as possible, of course, uh, I would say remain absent if you really want to. But if we're not going to go to extremes, then be moderate on your alcohol intake. And if you're going to choose a drink, more than moderately, then uh, drinking water, uh, while drinking a glass, a glass of water in between drinks can help mitigate water loss and or drink uh, before going to bed to mitigate any potential side effects of the de dehydration that's occurring. The other thing and more chronic implication of alcohol uh, is malnutrition and kind of a good way to put this is light to moderate drinkers may suppress uh, light to moderate drinkers contribute added calories on top of normal food intake. So this is why we typically see weight, weight, uh, weight gain as an issue because yeah. it's adding on top of something where it's already uh, calorie dense versus heavy drinkers where um, it's alcohol is used as a substituted energy source. Therefore, um, it's food intake is usually not the priority here. So that's where you do usually see this deficient of uh, specific micronutrients. So different B, B vitamins, most particularly B3, niacin, um, B6, B9, which is folate, and cobalamin B12, and certain vitamin Ds, um, particularly DNA, which are particularly D is a heavy hitter within the, within the, within the media. But um, certainly these are things to, you know, to monitor, you know, I get if you want to do that or can you, but uh, nevertheless, um, chronic intake of alcohol, uh, you know, there's real no true benefit, I suppose, in a chronic sense and in a more than moderate sense, but, you know, to each their own, you know, uh, we all have to be sensible with what we choose to do and weigh the benefits and, and risk with it. Absolutely. And those are two great points. Um, again, tying alcohol to nutrition because um, as nutrition consultants, we help people stay on track and get where they want to go as everyone has different goals, whether it's weight loss, trying to gain weight. Um, how does alcohol fit in that? It's kind of like the mystery, mystery macro, I guess you could say. Um, and reason being, if you ever go out and look at a nutrition label on a bottle of wine or a bottle of beer, the math doesn't really add up. Um, and that, that's what causes confusion because you have, you know, calories listed, but then there's no carbs, but there's hundreds of calories, but there's no fat or protein either. So what's going on with that? Where, where's the confusion with alcohol when it comes to the nutrition label? Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And I'll preface with saying that uh, alcohol is technically the fourth macronutrient. Um, Without uh, with ethanol, it's seven seven calories per gram. Um, it would be pretty fun uh, 
side discussion go into the metabolism of alcohol, but I'll spare that for another another day. But uh, you know, for the simplicity of tracking alcohol in this nature, um, because it breaks it, it's utilized as, as a carb, but it's it's utilized as a as a fat. So it gets very convoluted. But nevertheless, easiest way is to take your calories. What you uh, that's um, no that's posted on the nutrition fact and divide that by four, which will equate your gram uh, amount of grams per carb. And that will, that will be the easiest way to track. So um, for an example that I have here, uh, Michelob Ultra, if uh, Mickey, don't hate me for the, for the beer. It's uh it's, it's all, give me a diet Coke. That's I'll be happy with just, just as happy with that. But um, Michelob Ultra, uh, there's, 95 calories in it and divide that by four and that will give you the amount of grams of carbs to track if that's what you're going to have as a as a alcohol beverage um i'd have to do the quick math um 90, 95 by four i have 24 grams of carbohydrate that would be that's what uh very as a quick rapid way to track, put that in as your grandma carbohydrates and there's your beer and you're, you move on, you drink it, enjoy it. Yes. Um, that's the most simplest way. There are other ways you can, uh, you know, add some flexibility or uh, complexity to it, but uh, it's just as easy. Just take your amount of calories and divide it. And you'll see discrepancies within my fitness pal where wine, as you've mentioned, there's no, there's calories, but there's no, macronutrients listed and that's where it gets misleading um and incorrect because you can if it's especially wine you can be missing out on 50 plus grams of carbs unaccounted for and seem like you're doing just fine despite calories so that's where it gets very mis uh, misled and best best thing is to go and find the amount of calories divided by four voila there's your alcohol and you're good to go yeah so Again, guys, it, it can get a little more complicated if you want to get really technical. But like I said, we're all about simplifying the science. So for all intents and purposes, um, just take the calories listed, divide by four. That's your grams of carbs, the alcohol, and you just treat it that way when you're tracking your macros. Again, just to simplify it, there are more to it. But for all, all intents and purposes, that's the simplest way to count for uh, the calories that you're getting from alcohol so that you don't have to abstain from it, um, you know, everything in moderation. But if you want to enjoy a beer, a glass of wine, there's, there's you know, we're all about not being restrictive. Um, that's what flexible dieting is all about, is being able to enjoy and not being so structured and regimented that you can't even enjoy a social interaction. So just one point we wanted to drive home uh, with that. Now, that's with alcohol in beverages. Um, in our last podcast that we talked about last month, um, we did March. We, we focused on fiber. And if you guys have ever picked up a protein bar especially or a meal replacement bar um, and you looked at the nutrition label, a lot of times you'll see something listed that's called sugar alcohols and think, where the hell did this come from? Am I going to get drunk off of this protein? So we did talk about that in our last podcast in our video um, for March, all about the facts on fiber. Uh, there will be a link down below in the description if you'd want to hear more about that in depth. Um, but Kevin, just as a recap, since we are talking about alcohol, 
Um, if you just wanted to touch on sugar alcohols, um, what those are, because a lot of times what we'll see advertised is total carbs, and then they market the net carbs, saying that there's only two net carbs, but on the label it says total carbs 20. So how does that play out, and how does the body treat the sugar alcohols? Sugar alcohol is basically, we'll say it's a sweetener for all simplicity's sakes, and um, the advantage of this is that while you do get a sweet taste to the item that you're making or eating, it uh, is not going to raise your blood sugar as much or at all. Um, in all likelihood, it's going to raise it to very, to, to a degree, but maybe extremely small in comparison to something that's, you know, normal sugar. But, uh, you know, with that being said, um, it's, when what's and what's misleading on the on the nutrition facts is with net carbs they're going they're unaccounting for calories that are still going to be digested in the system, um, and you're looking at typically for most sweeteners um, you're looking at about two calories per gram, so that can certainly add up. And these sweeteners, the sugar alcohols, are typically erythritol, xylitol, mannitol, sorbitol. The TOL ending is going to uh, cue you in on those sugar alcohols and um, you know, there it's a good tool. It's a good strategy to to keep calories at bay and still get that sweetness that you may be looking for. I, admittedly, I, I enjoy them, but everything comes with a potential cost. Uh, nothing is ever free, and of course, everything has a you know the dose makes poison once again. So if you eat consume too many in one sitting or in total, you could expect some pleasant GI symptom, symptoms to to enjoy. So, uh, you know, choose, choose your poison. You know, it's all about that fine balance of risk and benefits. And, uh, I, sometimes it's just, just go for the real full blown carbs. Yeah. And budget. especially with sugar alcohols, the dose makes the doo doo. Um, <clears throat> so I talked about, uh, protein bars, meal replacement bars being popular sources of sugar alcohols. But if you ever see sugar free candies or foods marketed for diabetics, um, if you look on the nutrition label, the ingredients, um, it's listed in uh, order of highest quantity to least quantity. A lot of times the first one you'll see there is xylitol, sorbitol, mannitol. One of those is the first ingredient. So that can lead people falsely into the mindset of, oh, sugar-free, I can have as many as I want. And then the next day they come back you know, to the pharmacy or, or whatever and they say like, wow, like I must have ate something bad. And you say, why? Like, well... I just had so much diarrhea, and it's true, like the more sugar alcohols you have, that can lead to diarrhea, uh, which I see from patients trying sugar-free candies, um, you know, their own way, like, oh, it's sugar-free, seeing free as a trigger that they can, you know, eat in excess, um, which is a lot of times an association that many of us have, which leads to diarrhea. So that's why I say the dose makes the doo-doo, because if you overdo it, you will be doo-dooing a lot. Um, so just something to keep in mind, again, not to avoid them, not that they're bad, but in excess, they will get things moving. And we'll, we'll stop there. <laughs> so. If there's anything to, anything to add to that, anything with those type of big trendy hyphens uh, on products, it's considered a health halo. Really consider what is the effect of this, you know, organic GMO, blah, blah, blah. It's a whole diatribe here, but uh, – 
you know, just because something may seem healthy by being free or uh, not have something that does not guarantee or make it inherently healthy at all. It's the dose makes poison of anything and always consider how it affects into your nutritional budget, your goals, your lifestyle, all the above. And, you know, choose what you choose, what you enjoy, what's practical. Absolutely. And that's why we talk about, you know, being flexible with flexible dieting, with what we teach our clients that we work with is it's not about being restrictive or following a regimen like a cult or anything like that. But it's about having balance because having balance will allow you to enjoy life, being social, being interactive, uh, being able to enjoy those foods. Um, I know I used to eat where I would not be able to, you know, have a donut because that's not allowed. Um, but that's not flexible and that can lead to lots of issues. Um, I digress, but just saying it's not that any one thing is bad or any one thing is necessarily detrimental but being aware of the implications it can have, figuring out how it affects the body and how you can balance that so that you can live a healthy, enjoyable social life uh, with responsibility, of course, and a cheers to the glass, just not too many times in one night. Excellent. Anything else you want to add there, Kevin? No. Um, after I, being 11 years since I turned 21, I'm feeling much better this time. Yeah, I hear you. Well, happy birthday to you, sir, again. Um, thank you all for watching. Um, this has been Dr. Adam Martin and Dr. Kevin Brunacy.